This morning, I'm going to invite you to turn once again, as we did last week, to Ephesians 6. Our main text this morning is going to be in Ephesians 6. Last week, we read verses 10 through 12. Today, we're going to add verse 13 through uh, 17. And next week, we'll be uh, beginning with Ephesians 6, 18. As we continue to look at uh, this passage as a part of our series titled Spirit World. You know, from the very beginning of the Bible, we see the reality of the spirit world. From the very beginning of the Bible, God pulls back the curtains and shows us the spirit world. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's an introductory statement. This is what this is going to be about. But then it goes back and, and, and it gives us a little more context. Verse 2 says, Now the earth was formless and empty, Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So the Spirit of God was there. In fact, we said last week that before there was a physical world, there was a spirit world. Before the heavens and the earth were created, the Spirit of God was already there. And so that's what this series is about, because sometimes we tend to ignore or neglect the fact that there is a spirit world. And by the way, let me just say that if you weren't here last week, please go back and listen to last week's message. I think it'll give you a little more context into what we're talking about in this series. Now, we're all familiar with our physical physical world. And I think that's why sometimes it's, it's easy to ignore the spirit world. And maybe we don't want to receive it with all our education and our learning it's a little unbelievable to us that there might be another world besides the one that, that we see and that we interact with here physically. This is a natural realm, and so we understand this. We know how to navigate the natural realm with our five senses, with our minds, with our physical abilities. But there's also a spiritual realm. There's a spirit world. It's invisible to us. We don't see it, but it's no less real than the physical world we do see. And so the first thing I want to remind you of this morning is this, that the physical realm and the spiritual realm intersect in our lives every day. Every day in your life, the spiritual realm that we don't see and the physical realm that we do see, they interact, they uh, intersect, they influence each other. We can't deny this. We can't ignore this. And, and we saw this last week in the story of Job. We saw how what was going on in the spirit world between God and Satan affected directly what happened in the physical world in the life of Job. We saw how Satan, with God's permission, Satan was able to affect Job's wealth. He was able to affect his relationships with his children because he, he killed them all. He, they, they died. He affected his marriage because there was, there was friction, there was conflict between uh, Job and his wife. When, when Job was faithful to God and his wife said, just curse God and die. I mean, there was, uh, there was that conflict there. Satan affected his health. And just like Satan affected Job in all these areas, he continues to affect our lives as well. He can affect our, our financial standing. He can affect our relationship with our children. He can affect our relationship with our spouses, our health as well. And so our, our two, these two worlds 
intersect the spiritual world, the spiritual realm, the spirit world, and our physical world, this natural realm, intersect. And we, there are other stories in the scriptures that reveal this to us, and we'll be looking at some of those stories today. But first, we, we go to Ephesians 10, our main text. Ephesians, I'm sorry, Ephesians 6, verse 10. Ephesians 6, 10 reads like this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Now, in this book of Ephesians, Paul uses the word or the phrase heavenly realms five different times. If, uh, and I'm reading from the NIV. If you're using another translation of the Bible, it may say heavenly places or it may say the heavenlies, the heavenlies. So five times we see that heavenly realms or heavenly places or the heavenlies. Now, when you see that, don't think that he's talking about heaven. He's not talking about heaven. He's, he's talking about the spirit world. The New Testament uh, gives us detailed attention to this spirit world, to this invis invisible spiritual realm, this heavenly realm. Now, the heavenly realm is not a place. It's not a physical place. It's a realm. It's a kingdom. It's a domain. And what is in this realm? Well, this is a spiritual realm. This is a spirit world. So anyone who is a spirit lives in this realm. God is a spirit. So God and his angels live in this realm. But also Satan and his demons, as we're going to see in the story of Daniel here in just a few minutes. Also, Satan and his demons live in this realm, in the spirit world. Now, where is this heavenly realm located? Well, it's all around us. It's all around us. We don't see it, but it's all around us. And again, we'll see this here in just a minute with the story of Elisha and his servant. And in fact, we might say it's not only all around us, but in a sense it's within us because the spiritual battles that happen, happen within us. They happen in our minds with our spirit fighting against the flesh. When we are saved, the Holy Spirit comes inside. He takes residence inside of us. So the Spirit of God is in us. So the, this, this spiritual realm, this heavenly realm is all around us and in a sense it's in us as well. Now, I think we can understand this by looking, first of all, at the story of Daniel, the prophet Daniel. We, we see in the book of Daniel, chapter 10, that Daniel had been reading the book of, uh, of Jeremiah. He'd been studying this and he came across something that he didn't understand. He, he, he got a, a, a partial revelation of Israel, Israel's future, but he didn't fully understand it. And so he, he set himself to pray and to ask God to give him the understanding of, of what he was reading about Israel's future. So he began to pray. He asked God, give me the meaning of, of what I'm reading. And he prayed and then it wasn't coming. So he began to fast and he fasted and he prayed for three weeks because he wasn't getting the answer. He kept fasting and praying for three weeks. 
And finally, after 21 days, he received a visit from an angel. An angel. Now, like everybody else who experiences a visit from an angel in the scriptures, it's, uh, it's, it's a bit intimidating. It's a bit scary. I mean, you're talking about having a visitor from the spiritual realm come to the physical realm and appear to you. Now, we read books, we read fiction books, and we hear stories about, yeah, he just appeared in you know, T-shirt and jeans. Well, you know, that's not the way that we see appearances of angels in the Scriptures. Certainly, Daniel didn't just see some, an angel say, oh, you're an angel. But he, in fact, was, was filled with fear. He fell to the ground as dead. That often happened in the Scriptures. It happened to John the Revelator. It happened in the New Testament and the Gospels, where people would fall as dead, extremely frightened by what they see, this appearance uh, of this visit of someone from the spiritual realm into the physical realm. So he falls down as if he were dead. And we pick up the story in Daniel 10, verse 10. Follow with me, Daniel 10, 10. And he's writing this and he says, A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I am about to speak to you. And this is important because not only because of the interpretation or the meaning that he was looking for, but also because what he tells them, the context of, of why he didn't get there earlier. He says, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. He's still shaking. Verse 12, then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the, with the king of Persia. Okay, so what happened is that when Daniel began to pray and ask God, give me the understanding of what I'm reading, immediately God sent him the answer. He sent an angel right away, but the angel didn't get there for 21 days. He was delayed for 21 days, not because he got lost, not because he, you know, he took the long way around or he took a vacation or he wanted to stop for coffee somewhere or anything silly like that, but he was engaged in spiritual battle. He was engaged in spiritual warfare with the prince of the Persian kingdom, which is a, a, a demonic being that some way, somehow, we don't know how exactly, but some way, somehow, this demon had oversight over the kingdom of Persia. So the enemy didn't want the angel to get to Daniel with the answer to his prayer. So he tried to stop the angel. The angel fought with the demon. And it must have been a fierce fight because it took a reinforcement of Michael the archangel. Michael the archangel had to come to help before he was able to get to Daniel with the answer to his prayer request. And where was this battle taking place? Well, it was taking place uh, in, in the heavenly realm that we're talking about. And it turns out that this battle wasn't really over because look at verse 20, Daniel 10, 20. So he said, the angel said, do you know why I have come to you? Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go, the prince of Greece will come. So he's saying, it's not over. 
I got to go back and finish this. And then when I finish this, then the prince of Greece is coming. I mean, there's continual fighting going on. This is why I said the spiritual realm and the physical realm intersect daily in our lives. There's, there's spiritual warfare going on. And by the way, th- this was uh, apparently around 200 years before Greece was even recognized as a nation. 200 years earlier, there's already a battle going on for the soul of that nation of Greece, as it were. And, um, you know, it makes me think that there's definitely a battle going on for the soul of our nation. And in reality, uh, folks, there, there are battles going on in every nation. It's not just us. In every country. In every country. There's a, a battle going on, and we're, we might be tempted to see it as a battle between this group of people and this group of people, between this political ideology and this political, uh, other political ideology. We say, well, it's us against them. But Paul would say to us, no, 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 no. Don't see it that way. This is not a battle against flesh and blood. This is a battle against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's what's going on. So let's keep our perspective straight and, and biblical. And, 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 and it's not just our nation that's fighting for its collective soul. You and I are also caught in the enemy's crosshairs because we're followers of Christ. Because we're children of God and our families are ca- caught up in this battle. Your children are caught up in this battle. This is why we pray for them. Especially as they go back to school. This is why we pray for them and ask God to protect them. This is why I I frequently encourage you. Look, don't just take care of the physical and the social needs of your children. And make sure that that they got the best clothes and they're well fed. And they're in the best clubs and sports. That's all fine. But if you do that and ignore the spiritual realm, the enemy is still going to have his way with them. And you'll say, but I gave him all the best. Gave him all the best. I actually had a... A parent told me that one time. She says, I don't understand why my daughter did this. I, I give her all the best. She has the, the best. And I spend a lot of money on her. And, and the stepdad told me, he says, well, that's probably part of the problem. But, you know, she was taking care of the physical, of the material needs, but ignoring the spiritual needs. We're caught up in this. So verse 13 of Ephesians 6, Ephesians 6, 13 says, therefore... Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Now I said last week and and I've been saying today that the spiritual realm affects our lives. It intersects with our physical world. In the negative sense, Paul calls this the day of evil. He says, when the day of evil comes. He's not just referring to the fact that, yes, we live in an evil world. That will go on being evil until Jesus returns. We know this is true. We live in an evil world. It's getting increasingly worse. But Paul is not referring just to that in a general sense, in a broad sense. But he's referring to to the fact that we will face times of spiritual attack that attack that are unusually intense from time to time. We're, we're doing spiritual battle, spiritual warfare, but from time to time, we'll face some attacks that are unusually, that are especially intense. The devil coming against you, coming against your family. The day of evil. 
And so it raises questions in our minds and we think, okay, so maybe this difficult situation that I'm going through, maybe it's not just happening. Maybe it's not just problems coming to me, but maybe there's a, 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 a spiritual reason for that. Maybe this bad mood or this depression. And we know that depression can, can be caused by, by physical things, you know, by some in, imbalance. Uh, but it also could be a spiritual attack. The strained marriage, the conflict in your marriage, it could be because, you know, there are two people, they're selfish. I mean, this is what a marriage is, right? Two selfish people trying to live together. But it could also be that the enemy is attacking your marriage, wanted to destroy it. So there's a spiritual element that there. Uh, you know, does uh, or do bigotry and, and, and prejudice and racism just happen? Could it be that there's a spiritual element, a, a, a satanic attack? Does bad health just happen? Well, you know, bad health could be because we don't take care of ourselves. And then we go see the doctor. and The doctor says, ah, I got to put you on this medicine. And we get mad. And it's our fault. I mean, we don't take care of ourselves. But it could also be, could also be that the enemy is attacking through cancer, through some other disease that really might be beyond our control. One of the... One of the young men, I say he's a young man, that I like to read. Uh, Ricky is the one who introduced me to his, to his life story and his reading, his writings rather, is Nabil Qureshi. Yeah, Nabil Qureshi, who uh, grew up Muslim. He's a, he's a Christian. I was a follower of Christ. And he uh, really has been a part of the Ravi Zacharias ministry team for a while. He's... Uh, Nabil is very educated, very educated. You know, he's he's got a, a PhD, at least one, and uh, he's an he's an he's an apologist, um, and uh, but I guess it was last year, sometime pretty recent, he was diagnosed with cancer, and he's doing a a, a vlog, you know, video blog, uh, and so I I'm just heartbroken to see what he's going through. Here's this guy who grew up a Muslim and his college roommate is one who really uh, in a very intellectual manner was able to win him to the Lord. Uh, and, uh, and now Nabil has, has cancer. Last week they had to remove his, his stomach. He's, uh, yesterday I was watching his latest YouTube video and, uh, and he's, he's back home without a stomach. He's back home and he says, I'm believing God's going to heal me. And, you know, he's, but I just kind of see him going down physically. And I, and I was thinking yesterday, uh, why does this have to happen to, to him? Great guy doing God's work. He's doing God's work. He's winning people to the Lord. You know, the intellectuals, you know, the, there's not an answer to me other than this is a satanic attack on his life, trying to stop his ministry, what he's doing. I mean, do wars just happen? Do famines just happen? And there's so many things that we, we could ask, you know, maybe, maybe possibly it could be a satanic attack because we're in a war zone and we can't escape. There is a lot of activity going on in the spirit world and we dare not ignore its reality. Like I said, uh, our modern minds, uh, our, our ways of thinking tend to resist that. We like things that we can see with our physical eyes. It's easier for us to understand the physical world and ignore the spiritual realm, but it's there and it affects you. 
Now, here's what I want to tell you. We don't have to live in fear. Now, I'm not trying to get you to, to, to live in fear. We don't have to live in fear of the spirit world, of the demonic influences, because we're covered by, by the blood of Jesus. We're covered by the power of God. I said to you last week, Satan is not God's equal. It's not like, like God is desperately trying to gain the upper hand against Satan. He just can't quite do it. No, God has won the victory. Satan is a defeated foe, but he wants to take as many people down with him when he's cast into the lake of fire. But his power is real. But I don't want you to, to think, and my intention is not to scare you into a life of constant fear. We don't have to constantly look over our back and around every corner waiting for something bad to happen, for a demon to somehow pop up and attack us. And neither do we want to attribute everything to, to demons. Oh, I got a flat tire. It must be this, the demon of flat tires. No, you got, you got a flat tire because you know, tires wear out. Right? I mean, it happens. It happens. When my wife and I were considering moving to San Angelo from Corpus Christi in 1985, we were talking about this, praying about this. And then we finally came up here. My wife was not, was not too excited about this. I had to tell her, uh, look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, we'll be there for two years. I had started graduate school. I came up for two reasons, to start graduate school here at Angelo State and to help my dad as a youth pastor at the church that he was pastoring at the time. And so I told her, it'll take me two years to finish my master's degree. We'll be back in Corpus, which was our hometown. So it took me two years. I finished in 1987, and we never went back home. So it's, it's been, it's been uh, over 30 years now. And, but at the time, we were debating, do we go, do we not go? She didn't want to go, but I thought, I was feeling, yeah, I think maybe this is a place for us to go. But during a, a, a span of a few weeks before we made the move, I saw... Two headlines in the Corpus Christi Caller Times, the Corpus Christi newspaper, about San Angelo that kind of made me raise my eyebrows and thought, made me think, do I really want to go to San Angelo? The, the first headline that I saw, the first story that I read, article that I read, had to do with the amount of occult activity here in San Angelo. Now, I knew nothing about San Angelo, very, very little about it. But there was a story about how much occult activity exists here. And they mentioned the two high schools, mentioned Central High School, Lakeview. I didn't know anything about those high schools. I didn't even think back then that I would teach at one of those schools. But it mentioned the two schools and how there was a lot of occult activity in those schools among the students. And even mentioned a place, turns out it's a place on Sherwood Way, that back then there was nothing. It was just a field, but now there's, uh, there's actually a church there. Uh, but it's a place where... where Kids would gather and other people would gather and do all kinds of occult things. And I read that and I thought, do I want to go to San Angelo? You know, it, it, it gave me pause. And then, and then almost immediately after that, I saw another headline. And the headline in the Corpus paper said this, San Angelo is finally on the map. Right? Yeah. San Angelo is finally on the map. And then it had a dash and it said, of the Russians. I said, what in the world? Well, it had to do... With the pave paws. Remember pave paws down here in El Dorado, the, the radar? And the, the story was that if the Russians ever decided to attack the U.S., one of the first places they would attack was this area here because of pave paws. Now, pave paws is closed down, right? So, so relax. It's, it's no longer functional. But the story was, the, one of the first things they'll do is take out that radar. So San Angelo is finally on the map, and I'm thinking, do I want to go to San Angelo? Do I really want to go to San Angelo? Occult activity... The Russians, and we almost decided not to move because of fear. 
Not really, no, not really. But I'm just saying, look, we can't live in fear, and we don't have to. God has already won the victory. And as I said, Satan is a defeated foe. We need to be able to see that, though. There's an interesting story in the second book of Kings, chapter 6, where the king of Aram was at war against Israel. So we have two countries here, Aram against Israel. And so the king of Aram would then make plans with his officers, get his cabinet together, his, you know, his leaders of the fighting man, and, and he would tell them, okay, here's the strategy. We're going we're gonna to set up camp over here, such and such a place. Well, the prophet Elisha would hear from God, and God would speak to the prophet Elisha. And so the, then Elisha would send word to the king of Israel and would tell him, beware of passing this place because the king of Aram is there. So the king of Aram and the soldiers are all waiting for the Israel, Israelites to go by. They never showed up because uh, they knew he was there. So time and time again, when he made plans to go somewhere, when the king of Aram made plans to go somewhere, Elisha would warn the king of Israel so that he was always on his guard uh, in, th in those places. Well, this is driving the king of Aram crazy. He was like, okay, I've got a leak in my cabinet. I've got a, I'm going to find out who the leaker is. So he got on Twitter. No, I'm just kidding. He didn't get on Twitter. So he, he got his officers together and he told them, I want you to tell me who is a traitor, who is on the side of Israel, who's on the side of the king of Israel. And so one of the officers said, uh, my Lord, king, none of us are. What's happening is that Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, he tells the king of Israel, everything you say in the privacy of your own bedroom, Elisha knows and he tells the king. So then the, the king says, okay, find me this man, find Elisha the prophet. I'm going to send men to capture him. So the report came back and it said, he is in Dothan. So the king of Aram said, okay, let's go. So he sent horses and chariots, a strong uh, force of, uh, of arm, uh, a strong army. Uh, there. They surrounded the city of Dothan, completely surrounded the city of Dothan. And so here's what happened. This is. 2 Kings 6.15, we pick up the story in verse 15. When the servant of the man of God, the man of God is Elisha. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us, are more than those who are with them. Now at this point, I imagine the servant must have thought, okay, I'm not getting this and I'm not seeing this. It's two of us and it's a whole army surrounding the city, whole army with horses and chariots. Yet the prophet said, there are more on our side than on the other side. So verse 17, Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. He, he, was, he was able to see the spirit world, the heavenly realm. So it's out there. We don't have to live in fear because of the enemy. We're on the winning side. God is greater. But we do need to fight this battle. And we do need to fight in the spiritual realm. Now what does that mean? Look at Ephesians 
Ephesians 6.14. Paul writes this. Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist. With a breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, all these things are spiritual components. And the spiritual components of our lives are what many people ignore. Look at that. He's talking about the belt of truth. He's talking about righteousness. He's talking about the gospel of peace. He's talking about faith. He's talking about salvation. The spirit. The word of God. That's how we fight the battle. With all these spiritual components in place. With a life of truth. With a life that's based on God's truth. With righteousness. Doing the right things. Living a life in which. We, you know, the, the problem is not that we don't know what to do. The problem is that we don't do the right thing. And live a life of righteousness where we do the right thing based on what the work that God has done in our lives. The gospel of peace, taking up the shield of faith, a life that steps out in faith, trusting God, the helmet of salvation, the Holy Spirit, the word of God. These are all the spiritual components that we need to fight this battle and to win the battle, but we often ignore them. So I need to remind you today, don't ignore the spiritual aspect of your life. Don't ignore the spiritual aspect of your life. Including the spiritual weapons. That God has provided for you. You need those weapons. And oftentimes we lay them aside. We never use them. Think about. Your daily schedule. Think about your daily schedule. From the time you get up. Till you come in. At night and go to bed at night. How often during the day. Do you access the spiritual weaponry that God has made available to you? How often do you pray? How often do you read the Word of God beyond just a superficial reading that you can check off and say, I did that, I checked that, uh, I read that chapter, I can check it off. No wonder you're living in fear and despair. Think about what you're teaching your children if you only provide for their physical needs but never teach them about the reality of the spirit world and the importance of guarding their their hearts and their souls and their spirits. We've got to access the spiritual weapons. And that happens through spiritual activity. Spiritual activity. Like the things I've mentioned. Prayer and searching and studying the scriptures. Memorizing scripture. Coming to church this morning. That's a spiritual activity. We access the spiritual power of God through spiritual activity. So I want to ask you as I finish today what steps can you take to engage and influence the spiritual realm what steps can you take to engage the spiritual realm to influence the spiritual realm the first thing has to do the first thing has to be rather to to give your life to jesus if you haven't done that don't try to live on your own strength on your own wisdom on your own years of experience and knowledge you, you it's not going to work. Remember last week we talked about the seven sons of Sceva? The seven sons of Sceva who, who tried to engage the spirit world without knowing the power of God. Who, who tried to, they tried to cast out a demon 
of a man. And they, they just said, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, we command you to come out. And the demon spoke back. They may not have been expecting that. The demon spoke back and he said, I, uh, I know who Jesus is and I've heard of Paul, but who are you? And he beat them up. And they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. That's what happens when you try to live your life ignoring the spirit world. You end up naked and bleeding. So you got to start by giving your life to Jesus. Saying, Lord, from this day forward, I, I commit my life to you. I'm going to live for you. No more living for myself. But every decision, every, every, every step I take is for you to please you, to follow you. I'm your follower. I want to do your will. But then also you need to strengthen your spiritual life. Strengthen your spiritual life. Don't be physically strong and spiritually weak. That doesn't help you. Nothing wrong with being spiritual. Uh, don't be physically strong and spiritually weak. I don't know if I said that wrong. Don't be physically strong and spiritually weak. Nothing wrong with being physically strong. Nothing wrong with being physically healthy. But it's more important to be spiritually healthy. Strengthen your spiritual life. Don't ignore it. Prayer, Bible study, church attendance. Practicing simplicity. Practicing uh, reflection. Practicing generosity. Strengthen your spiritual life. And finally... What steps can you take to engage the spiritual world? Give your life to Jesus. Strengthen your spiritual life. And learn to pray in the Spirit. We're going to talk about that next week. Talk about praying in the Spirit. Because that's the next thing that Paul says in Ephesians 6.18. And pray in the Spirit. It's part of the weapons of, you know, of fighting this battle. We'll talk about that next week. But for now, I want you to, I want you to look at your life. And say, what steps or what step do I need to take today? Maybe the first step is to, to say, and if you're like, I don't, I don't know if I'm saved or not. You know what? If you don't know if you're saved or not, then you can know this morning. You can say, I'm going to decide right now to give my life to God. And it's not a mere decision. When you do that, the Spirit of God comes and changes your heart. Transformation happens. So maybe that's your step, or maybe your step is to just make a commitment to strengthen your spiritual life. Whatever it is, let's say to God today, Lord, I need you. I need you in my life. I need your strength. I need your, I need your direction. I'm trying to live on my own and getting beat up by the enemy. I turn my life over to you. Would you bow for prayer? Father, I thank you today for the reality of, of the spirit world and not just the, the negative side that we sometimes tend to emphasize, but because you're in control. And yes, it's true that the enemy now has control in certain areas. He's uh, the prince of the air. He's a god of this age. But you're ultimately in control of all things and, and we thank you for that and we trust you and we turn to you. Father, today I, I pray for that person who maybe for the first time is, is saying, Lord, I, it's time I need to give my life over to you. 
Father, I pray that as you stir their hearts, they would find the strength to say, today's a day that I give my life to Jesus and I start walking with him. But I also pray for that family, for that husband, that wife, those parents who are saying, I've been spiritually careless with my life and the lives of my children. I need to turn things around and I will turn things around by trusting in God and by strengthening my spiritual life. Lord, that person who says it's time for me to get serious, I pray that you would give them the strength to act on that decision because we need you, God. You've done so much in our lives and we don't want to go back to the old way. We don't want to go back to the way it used to be before we came to you. We don't want to be defeated. We don't want to be run out of our house, run out of our house naked and bleeding beat up by the enemy. We want to be strong. We want to fight and win.